It is good to be here. Thank y'all so much. Man, I've said it before, <clears throat> but I want to start off again by saying, man, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to stand before y'all this morning, to be able to get into the Word with you. And like Jesse said last week, man, I'm also thankful that I don't have to break down the upcoming 1 Corinthians chapter 11 passage that is all about head coverings, all right? We're going to let our pastor do that when he comes back from Africa, all right? But uh, man, today marks the last week of a quick two-week series. Everybody say, oh, man. Guys, don't get so emotional, all right? It's only two weeks long, all right? We knew it going in, all right? But, but here's the thing. Today marks the last day of this series that we're calling Follow Me, all right? A call to die and a call to live. Man, last week, I think that Jesse did a phenomenal job breaking down what it actually looks like to follow Christ. Man, what cost it takes to follow him. Man, how following Christ is a call to die. Man, he died for our sins and he calls us to die to self if we want to obey him and obediently follow his calling on our life. Man, I think that there's a part of that that interests the culture that we live in. Man, the culture that we live in, they love a hero Man, they love a dramatic story. Man, they love a savior coming to save the day. Man, you can think about any Marvel comic movie, all right? But man, the same thing cannot be said about a Lord, somebody lording over our life. Man, sometimes the community that we live in, they struggle with that. Man, they don't really like the idea that somebody is going to lord over every step and every thought. But my challenge for us today is to allow Christ to be both, to be both our Savior and our Lord. Man, to understand that it's not just one, but it's both. Today, I want to remind everybody that even though maybe people on the outside looking in says, man, that's too controlling. Man, that's not any way to live. Like, you're going to allow somebody to, to be over every aspect of your life? And, man, I would want to reply back to him and say yes and remind us all that following Christ is also a call to live. Man, what does that actually look like for us? I want to unpack some practical ways, but I think uh, some practical steps that we could follow as a Christ follower, but also as a bigger picture, as a church, as a body of believers. And I think that, man, uh, Acts chapter 2 is a great place for us to find that instruction. And so, man, uh, as you turn to Acts chapter 2, we will be in uh, the verses 37 through 47. And I want to go there because I think that it's in that passage that we get a glimpse of what the very first church looks like. So as you tap, turn, or scroll your way there, man, I want to also invite you to pray three things with me today. Man, let's pray that God would speak. Let's pray that we would hear what the Spirit is saying and then thirdly, let's pray that that truth will set us free, all right? Join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, <clears throat> God, thank you so much for what you have done, God, for what you are doing, and God, for what you will continue to do. God, we want to praise you. God, we give thanks for who you are. And God, we want to give you thanks because of what you've done that allows us to give you thanks for whose we are. 
God, none of it is about us. Men, it's all about you. Let us please never forget that. Let us continue on to keep the main thing the main thing. Let us not lose focus. God, today we ask three things. Number one, we ask that you would speak to us. God, give us a message today. God, we ask that you would speak. God, hide me behind the cross, not my words, but your truth be proclaimed. God, secondly, let us have ears that are willing to hear your truth. God, thank you for your spirit. Man, thank you for your willingness to speak to each person individually. God, thank you for being willing to speak to our church corporately. But God, we pray that we would hear that message. And third of all, God, I pray that as you speak and as we listen, God, that the truth that we study would change our lives immediately. God, that we would change the way that we communicate with our family, with our friends, with our coworkers. God, we would change the way that we walk our faith out. God, that we would see people the way that you see them. God, that we would take steps to not just go to church, but to be the church. God, we ask all this in your son's most precious name. Amen. Well, good morning, man. Yesterday, we were, celebrate, we were celebrating family, all right? And I know this is not a family Sunday, but for me, it's a family Sunday because I got my family back there, all right? And, and I got my little ones in here that, that they want to uh, cheer me on, and I appreciate that. But, but yesterday, we found ourselves navigating through the rain, but more importantly, through the Metroplex, all right? Man, I wasn't born in Dallas. Really, everything outside of Greenville, that direction is Dallas. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, where are you headed to, Dallas? Uh, why'd you stop in Rockwall? Man, it's all Dallas. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I really would not be able to find my way around from one destination to the other if it wasn't for GPS. Man, thank God for GPS, all right? And, and so I leaned over and I asked Shannon, man, do you remember life before GPS? Like, like how did people get around? Like, they were using maps. And, and, and I told her, I said, man, the first time I wanted to take you and some other people to Six Flags, I had to ask my dad, like, dad, how did I get to Six Flags? Like, I, I, I need to know exactly how to do it. And so, like, before GPS, my dad operated as my Siri. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was like, well, you got to go this direction. You got to take this highway. You need to exit here. And then when you merge this way, man, don't stay in that lane because it's going to exit only. So you need to scoot over. And he showed me exactly how to go. And I'm thankful for that. Man, sometimes as a Christ follower, we're left thinking, man, where do we go? Like, like, like God, I want to do this. I want to walk out my faith. But what steps do I take? And man, I'm so thankful for passages like this to where as a Christ follower and as a church, we're able to receive direction and we're able to hear, you know, Peter's message that was given so many years ago that changed so many lives still be powerful in our own life. We can still follow this same direction. And so, man, I want to give you a little context. We're going to start in verse 37. And at this point, Peter has just finished preaching not only his first message ever, but man, by in scale of response, maybe his best message ever. Man, 3,000 people gave their life to Christ that day. Man, that's crazy. On his first sermon. 
man, if that was me, if I was in his shoes, probably didn't have shoes. If I was in his sandals, man, I might be tempted to just retire, walk away, go out on top. Man, it reminds me of the time that I got a text message invite to Philip Kilgore's house to come out to his house and shoot skeet. All right. Man, I, I'm from the city. Like, I, we, my family had no guns growing up. The only guns I carry every day is right here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm really not packing, believe me, all right? And, and, and so he asked, like, Justin, man, I'm, I'm hosting a men's event. There's people coming over. We're going to be shooting these things called clay pigeons. Would you like to come? And my first response, I don't know if you remember this, Philip, but the first thing I said was, man, I'm going to have to ask my wife, all right? And, and the reason why is not because my wife is like, you know, the mom in that one movie, like, wagging the finger, like, no, you cannot do that. You will shoot your eye out if you try to do that. She actually knew that the last time I handled a shotgun, I shot my tooth out. You know what I'm saying? And so she's not like, you will shoot your eye out. She's like, Justin, last time you knocked a tooth out and it was a grown-up tooth. Like there's not another tooth coming in after that one. You know what I'm saying? I had to get a fake tooth put in there. All right. And so here's the thing, man, uh, after I convinced her, then my second response to Philip was, I don't have a gun. It's like I forgot that we live in Texas because he said, don't worry, there's going to be a lot of guns out there, all right? People are going to show up with a lot of guns. It's like, even though I don't own one, there's people who were bringing like 15 to the party, all right? And so I showed up and I was handed this shotgun and I was told, all you got to do is yell out, pull! And when you say pull, all right, his son Joe was like across the pond and he had this little thing where he pushes a button and this arm just slings out this clay pigeon, all right? It's bright orange, pull the trigger, make it explode, all right? Man, my mind is exploding. Like, there's a lot of steps. Like, hold up, I got to say pull, and I got to look down the barrel, and I got to pull the trigger, and I got to try to hit this thing that's like running away from me, all right? And so I yell out, pull, and I sight it up. And I think I was so afraid that I was going to knock out more than one tooth again. You know what I'm saying? That when I pulled that trigger, I just closed both eyes. You know what I'm saying? And, and like, man, it, like I heard the gun crack. And then I opened my eyes to just see this clay pigeon just get demolished. You know what I'm saying? Man, my next words after that were like, who's next? Like, 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 who's next? I'm going to give the gun away because I was going to walk away, like, on top. You know what I'm saying? I didn't shoot again. I didn't shoot again. And, like, I don't want to say this. Philip, please, don't, don't crush my dreams, all right? If somebody was behind me and they're the ones who actually shot it, like, like don't ruin the story for me, all right? Because I gave that gun up and I was like, I'm done. I'm just going to walk away like it's hashtag no big deal, all right? But here's the thing. Man, today we're talking about the Sermon of Pentecost, and the sermon that was delivered by Peter was not just no hashtag, no big deal. Man, it was a huge deal. Man, the Spirit moved like never before up to that point. And so we're going to try to unpack that, and we're going to look at that. And so when we come to verse 7, I want to draw your attention to verse 37. I'm sorry, 37. And I want us to look at the response to Peter's preaching. And basically it says this. Now, when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Man, Peter had just preached, like I said, his first message, man, his best message, and the spirit was moving. I love this phrase. I want to point out, cut to the heart. Y'all say that, cut to the heart. Just say it out loud. Man, cut to the heart. I think it's a good way to describe what's happening 
uh, you know, surrounding the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Man, they knew what they were responsible for. They understood when they heard this message preached to them that they were responsible for the death of Jesus Christ as we are too. Man, they understood what they had done and they understood that now they had to do something in response to that responsibility. And so Peter had some previous experience with the term cutting, all right? If y'all know the, if y'all know like the story of Peter, I just think it's neat to mention that in John chapter 18, it was Peter who trying to protect Jesus Christ whips out his sword as this guy comes to try to uh, arrest Christ and he just swings at him like, "No, nah, not today, brother." All right? And 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 like he got his ear, like like sharp sword, I'm guessing, cuz the ear just fell off on the ground. And probably embarrassing, like Christ was like, whoa, this is not how it's supposed to happen. Let me pick this up and put that back on. Sorry about that, buddy. All right. Uh, But man, it was crazy. Like it's embarrassing. But to me, it shows Peter in the flesh doing the best that he could do with a literal sword and all the power that he had. But see, when we come to this part, when we come to this passage, man, it's neat because now the resurrected Jesus Christ has changed Peter's life. And when the power of the Holy Spirit had come upon him, he did some much more effective cutting. In fact, it was like he had the hands of a skilled surgeon because what he was doing was open heart surgery, right? I mean, he was cutting these hearts and opening them to Jesus Christ. And I think it's neat for us to note because this is what Peter could do in the power of the Spirit, not in his own power. See, doing God's best work with not just his regular sword, but now the sword of the Spirit, God's word. And so I love the comparison because it shows us which one's more powerful, the sword of the man or the sword of the Spirit. And we we recognize that and we see that power unfolded right now. And so these people, in response to this power that they're seeing from him preaching out of God's word and swinging that spirit of the, uh, 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 of the word, man, basically they said, okay, so what do we do now? Man, I think that's neat because that's obviously a significant picture of the work that the Holy Spirit is doing. See, this crowd had gathered. I mean, a huge crowd had gathered. And the great thing is, man, they were moved by Peter's bold truth and the proclamation of this truth that they asked, like, okay, what's the next steps? Like, like, like where do we go from now? And I believe that it's important for us to know that when God is working in somebody's heart, they want to come to him. When God is working in our heart, we want to follow through on the actions that God is asking us to do. Man, it's kind of neat. Last Thursday, we were doing the typical bedtime routine. See, my house, we're still man-on-man coverage. You know what I'm saying? There's two of us and there's two of our kids. And so, like, we get in the huddle and my wife and I, were like, all right, we can do this. We can get the kids showered and we can get them to bed. I'll take Parker, you take Mackenzie on three, one, two, three, break. All right, let's go do this. And so I'm in my side of the house doing the guy things, getting ready for bed. He's going through his shower ritual. You know what I'm saying? And then we're about to get into the pajamas and get him tucked in, do our Bible study, lay down the bed. And and my phone dings. And I get this message, Facebook message from one of our students. And, and, And basically, all it says was, 
is there any way I can be more helpful? Is there any way I can get involved in more ways in the student ministry? Like, like tell me how I can serve more on a Wednesday or on a Sunday and beyond. Like, I get this message, and I'm reading it, and seriously, it's like this. <laughs> like, hold up. Like, like, Parker's like, Dad, are you okay? And I'm like, dude, I just got a message from somebody in the youth uh, ministry, and they want to know how they can be used by God in more ways than what he's already doing. Like, that's exciting. That's not the ones that you are like, oh, man, I just opened it, and now they know that I opened it, but now I got to reply to it. Oh, this is not going to be good, all right? These are the kind of responses that we're praying for. These are the kind of questions that we want to answer. And so I can't imagine, like, what Peter was feeling when he preaches from his heart and when he sees the Spirit moving and he hears these people respond, and what do we do next? And so listen to what Peter tells them. Man, starting in verse 38, it says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and he continued to exhort them, saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. Man, It's so cool because in response to their question, what shall we do? Peter had to be, as a pastor, pleasantly pleased and amazed to see what God was starting to do in this situation. See, instead of this big mob wanting to crucify him because of all that Christ had done and what he was preaching about, thousands and thousands and thousands of people wanted to actually trust in Jesus as their Lord and Messiah. Man, he tells them to repent and be baptized. See, he responds to that question of what shall we do, and he gives them two things, but he gives them something to do. We, we got to understand that, man, when we respond to the, fall, to the call of following Jesus, man, it's not just like, all right, God, I'm good. Now sit down and lift the legs up, all right? It's not like we're just in the lazy boy mentality. It's more like, okay, God, I'm ready. Man, tell me what to do and being willing to get to work. The first thing he says is repent. Man, he tells them to repent. And repent doesn't mean to feel sorry, all right? But it means to change one's mind or one's direction. We know this, right? Man, they had thought a certain way about Jesus. Like just a a few moments ago, they were yelling, crucify him, crucify him. But now they got to turn their thinking around and embrace Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. When we hear the word repent, sometimes it sounds like a harsh word coming from the, you know, the mouth of a minister or, or when it lands on the ears of many listeners. But we got to understand that the essential aspect of the gospel is found in that word repent. Man, some people call repent and refer to it as uh, the first words of the gospel. Man, when we think about John the Baptist, when he preached, the first thing he said was what? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, when he preached, the first thing he said was repent, 
for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And now when Peter starts this message, man, the first thing he's telling them to do is what? Repent. I mean, we got to understand that it's not only fantastic, but it's chiasmic. All right. Man, you got two things rolled into one. He fed me that earlier. <laughs> uh, man, but here's the thing. It's like repentance and trust, even though it's two different things, it really is one thing. Man, we repent, but we trust that our sins can be put away through Jesus Christ so they're no longer a barrier between us and our Heavenly Father. Man, we repent and we believe. Man, see, those two things are not actually two separate things. They're one thing. They're one and two. They're chiasmic. Man, they're both sides of the same coin. You know what I'm saying? And so here's the thing. We got to understand that he's calling us to turn from our old ways, resting and trusting in Christ and making him our only hope in life and in death. Man, there's two parts of that, but it's still one thing. But we got to understand that we don't need to fall into the trap that, that so many of us fall into. We got to understand that repentance must never be thought of as something that we must do before we can come back to God. All right. You follow me? So what I mean by that is repentance describes not what we do before we come back to God, but repentance describes us coming back to God. Like you can't turn towards God without first turning away from the things that God is against. And again, that's why it's like two in one. And so in this sense, man, repent is not this harsh word, but instead it's a word of great hope. It says, Justin, you don't have to continue doing the way that you've been doing things. Instead, you can turn away from those things and come to God. I mean, the same thing is true for anybody in this room. He then follows that up by saying, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Man, we got to understand that the second thing that Peter is telling them that they ought to do is to be baptized. Man, we, we understand that the baptismal part of this, the second part of this like chiasmic uh, way of thinking is, is not what saves us, but out of obedience, man, it paints a clear picture for everybody to see what Christ has done in us and is continued to do through us. Man, baptism back then was not commonly taking place by Jews. Like it was really Gentiles being baptized, I mean, being baptized because they wanted to become Jews. And so for these Jewish men and women to be baptized, man, it showed how strongly they felt that they needed Jesus. As we keep on moving, verse 39, it says, For the promises is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Man, Peter promises them the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, it's a gift. It's not anything that we can earn. But he promises this to them. Anybody who is obedient, anybody who follows through with what he's already said, like to be repentant to call on Christ, to ask him as your Lord and Savior, and we get this gift. And it's promised to anybody that comes behind them, man, succeeding generations, all those who are far off. I mean, in verse 40, it says, and with many other words, he bore witness and he continued to exhort them. Man, we understand that Paul's sermon did not just end here. Like, he continued to urge the crowd, come to Jesus. Man, come to repent." 
uh, of your sins. Man, come to a repentant surrender. And then it goes on in that verse to say, save yourself from this crooked generation. Man, any generation that is responsible for putting Jesus to death is a crooked generation. We got to understand that every generation bears that responsibility. And so every generation needs this call of salvation. Man, we can't read this and point the finger at them. Man, we got to understand, I don't know how that works, like one finger pointed that way, and somebody said, well, be careful because you got four people, four fingers pointed at you. And I'm like, how are you pointing at yourself? You know what I'm saying? Uh, but anyways, it's like when I point, I really got two pointed at you, and I got three pointed over there. But, uh, but, but we have to have that mentality that we don't point at them and say, well, that's on them. We have to understand that we bear that same responsibility as well. And so when we keep on reading, here's where I think it's neat. Man, this is where it starts to shift. And so for those of y'all who have never repented, maybe, maybe you've never followed through with asking Christ to be your Lord and Savior, that's your, that's your first step. For those of us in this room where, man, maybe, maybe, hey, like, man, he has saved you but you struggle with allowing him to lord over your life, man, that's one of your second steps. Like, man, allow him to lord over everything. And some of us were like, hey, this was amazing. Like, like my family celebrated this, this uh, part of my life, but I've never taken any steps of maturity. I've never really grown in my faith afterwards. What do I do? Man, this is what he says. Check this out. In verse uh, uh, 41 and 42, it starts to make a change. It says, then those who gladly received the word, they were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to their church. Man, their church went from 120 to about 3,120 in one day. It's amazing to think what God did on that day. And it's amazing to think that what God did after that, because of that day, remember, they were coming together for the Feast of Pentecost. Some people did not uh, reside in Jerusalem. They were coming there to celebrate that. And so when their life was changed, they took that life change back home with them. Think about all the people that then heard the gospel message because they shared that on their way back to where they were going. Man, as a church, are we doing that? Man, if we have Christ in our life, we have been changed. We were once dead, but now we're made alive in Christ. But are we keeping that to ourselves? Or do we allow that to find its way into the conversation, even at work? Man, even with our friends, even, even with those that we come in contact with. Because I believe that God is calling us to do that, to be able to change this community. He says those people received his word and they were baptized. And listen to this change right here in verse uh, 42. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of, and, and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Man, this is where I want to camp for a little bit because as a, a body of believers, this is what we should do. This is like the instruction that he's given us. Man, listen to these steps as we, we break this down. Before we get into the four different divisions, first... Look at how they attack these four things. It says they continued steadfastly. Man, that's an attitude that we need to have. Man, they basically attacked this 
And like the Greek verb communicating this basically says, with a steadfast and single-minded fidelity to a certain course of action. Man, this was the mindset that they used on all of these things. And so when it says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, man, there was no other, you know, teaching that could knock them off track. Man, they were focused on the teaching in the Word of God with a steadfast and single-minded fidelity. Man, they stayed to that course of action. There was not going to be a departure from the apostles' teaching because they understood that that was the truth of God. Man, what about our church? Are we willing to, to make it a high priority to teach the Word of God? Man, how does our church represent that? Man, do we only do it on Sunday mornings from the pulpit? Do we offer Wednesday night Bible studies? Do we offer age-specific Bible studies? In everything that we do, man, even if it just seems in fun, man, we should always center it around God's truth. That's what I love about our church. Man, I'm able to have conversations with my son who is able to reiterate a Bible story that's made just for his six-year-old ears. And man, I know that it's truth. I know that, man, we, we, we are pursuing it with, with a steadfast, with a single-mindedness track to, to point us and stay in that direction. Man, the second thing is, it says, they continue steadfastly in fellowship. Man, the ancient Greek word for that is koinonia. And basically the idea is, man, they, they, it, it's kind of like association. Man, uh, you know, participating in communion. We'll talk about that in a minute. But fellowship, participation, it means that they were sharing things together. Man, it's dangerous if we just come to church on a Sunday morning to check that box. And then we leave and we go our separate ways. Man, I really think that if we follow the direction of this first church, man, we will do this phrase that I see kind of used a lot and it sounds trendy, might even kind of sound hipster, but it's like, hey, let's do life together. But I think it's more than just sounding catchy. Man, I think it's scriptural. Man, uh, the Christian life is meant to be full of fellowship. Man, sharing with one another. Man, what do we share? We share the same Lord, Jesus Christ. Man, why do we pray for other churches? Like we said earlier, we're not in opposition with them. Man, we share the same Lord. Man, we share the same guide for life. He's given us the Bible. He's given us the basic instructions before leaving earth. Like we share in this guide for life. Man, we share the same love for God. Man, we share the same desire to be able to worship him. We share the same struggles. And when we do life together, man, you, it's like there's a lot of transparency involved. Man, you see the victories. We share in the same victories, but we also share in the same struggles. Man, we share in the same job for living for him. We share the same joy of communicating the gospel uh, when, we, when, when we interact with people of our community. We share in those things. Man, we are steadfast in the fellowship. Man, the third thing right here in, in this one verse is, man, they, they continue steadfastly in the breaking of the bread. Christ's words, he said, 
do this in remembrance of me. And, men, it's neat to note that even though they were living so close to the time when Jesus Christ was crucified, they still never wanted to forget what they did on the cross, what he did on the cross. I'm sorry. Man, uh, how much important it was for them, man, it makes us understand, like, we should put a high priority in our own lives for the breaking of the bread. Man, I can't speak for all churches except for the ones I've been a part of. And it seemed like growing up, we participated in the Lord's Supper, but it was like, here's your normal church service, but randomly, we're going to tack the Lord's Supper on the end of it. That's just how it seemed like. Man, I really admire our pastor, and man, it seems like we put a higher bar on the Lord's Supper. Man, it's the entire service. Man, we're going to not just tack it on on the end, but we're going to continually pursue it steadfastly. And then the, the, the fourth thing, man, as a believer, how we follow out the call to live for Christ when we follow him, man, we're steadfast in our prayers. Man, when God's work is being done, man, God's people gather for worship and prayer. It ought to be a part of it. Man, prayer is not just some sneaky way that ministers do transitions in the service. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to call for prayer in a minute, and then all of a sudden the band is on the stage. All right? We're going to call for prayer in a minute, and all of a sudden people are ready. They're at the front with the offering plates. You know, it's more than just a sneaky transition. Man, prayer ought to be, man, uh, uh, something that we, we pursue steadfastly all day, every single day. Man, like we said earlier, there are people who showed up to church today, but they're not in this room. They're down the hallway in another room because they're praying for our church. They're praying for you individually. Man, everything else we read about the power and the glory uh, of the early church that comes in the next couple of verses, man, it's all based on the foundation of the church being true to the word. Man, pursuing fellowship, understanding to remember, uh, you know, Jesus and his work on the cross and, and understanding the importance of prayer. Man, a lot of times we hear like this is the model of or, or, or Acts 2 represents like the model church, but we got to understand, man, that church was flawed. That church was people after the fall. This is not, you know, Genesis 2 relived in Acts 2. Man, these people, man, they came together as the church after the fall. Man, there's no perfect church, and you're not going to find one. Man, we're, we're, we're all sinners. But, man, as we keep on reading through verses 43, 44, and 45, man, we start seeing some amazing ways that God is working on this day of Pentecost. Man, we, we, we hear of this rushing wind and these uh, tongues of fire and, and these amazing miracles taking place. Man, where God is at work, man, lives are going to be touched and amazing things are going to take place. I mean, the last thing that I want to point us in, in is these last uh, two verses, 46 and 47. Man, look at how the Christian, uh, how they lived together and how they grew. Man, even in verse 45, it says, they sold their possessions and their goods, and they divided them among everyone 
as, as a need arose. Man, they weren't just about putting a high priority on the word and on the fellowship and on prayer and on remembrance of all that Christ had done on the cross, but they also saw needs and they met those needs. They were benevolent when those things were brought to them. And then going in verse 46, it says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received the food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, all those being saved. Man, this weekend, because Valentine's is quickly approaching, guys, I'm just throwing that out there, trying to help you out, all right? But, but it's coming quick on Thursday. And because of that, man, my daughter was at the table this weekend trying to make her Valentine's box. Y'all know that box you bring to school and everybody fills it up with, with the Valentine's that they made or that they brought. And it made me think to way back when I thought Valentine's had an M in it, Valentine's, all right? And, and way back to my like first loves and things like that. Man, what I like about this passage is it reminds the church, man, don't lose your first love. Man, our first love ought to be Staying true to the teaching, staying true to fellowship. Man, uh, you know, remembering what Christ did on the cross, staying true to prayer. We also ought to be the most hospitable people out there. It's neat to note that, man, in this time of feast, Jewish people would allow people to come into their house, allow them a bed to stay, and they would not charge them for any of these things, because they said, man, this is what we ought to do. Man, when the feast comes around, this is how we should uh, be kind to other people. In the first church, man, the first Christians, they said, hey, let's not just do this on when feasts come around. Man, let's do this every day. This is how we should be a part. And so, man, I want to close like this, and this is just this. Man, what is our first love? Man, I'm going to tell you. Right down the road at 6801 Wesley, it's not some field of dreams, all right? When I go walk the, the, the halls of, of the building that's being renovated, I'm not hearing some whisper saying, if you renovate it, they will come, all right? <laughs> it's not happening, all right? Man, it, I, I'm not hearing things that are saying like, man, start this new program, then they'll come. I'm not hearing those things. But I'm hearing God's scripture right here say, man, if we stay devoted to the teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to the prayer, we will see God move in a way that we've never seen before. I mean, if we get back into the new building and it's just about the new building, then we failed. But if we get back into the new building and maybe the newness, I don't know, re-energizes, man, our willingness to engage other people and to do ministry better, then I feel like God will move. Man, we don't have to come up with some creative new way to bring people in. We just got to start doing what God has asked us to do. And we, uh, man, when we are obedient to him, listen to what, how he ends. It says, and the Lord added to the church daily. Added to the church daily, those being saved. Man, I want to be a part of that church. I mean, if you would, join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray for 
man, this time that we have of invitation and a time of reflection, God, I pray that, man, if there's anybody in here that, man, needs to have somebody to pray with, God, let them understand that the invitation is there for them. God, for, for those of us who, man, maybe, maybe you really are our Lord and Savior, but God, we have not grown in our spiritual walk. God, let these be some of the first steps that we're willing to take. Man, let us be willing to, to not lose focus, but keep the main thing the main thing. Let, let us, with steadfastness, man, center everything we do around your teaching. God, around fellowship. God, around remembering what you did on the cross. God, around praying to you. God, being hospitable to each other and, 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 and others in our community, being benevolent, doing good deeds. God, let us be a church that lives out what Christ preached in Matthew chapter 5. Man, let us light up our community. Let us not be hidden. Man, let us shine bright, but not so people can see us from our good deeds, but so our good deeds point others to you. God, let that be true in our church. In your name we pray. Amen.